0: What is going on true crime fans. I'm your host Heath. And I'm your host Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Welcome to the Friday episodes. This is our first Friday release. Yes, the first of our two episode a week situation.
1: Yeah, so now we're doing two episodes a week. If you did not listen to our most recent episode that just came out a few days ago, we're officially doing two a week. So this is super exciting. It's all because of you guys sharing the show, telling your friends and family to listen, posting on social media that is really helping our show and it's giving us this ability and so is having our new editor Drew. Yes. Welcome, Drew. We love you. We're so happy to have you on our team and we're just really excited to be, you know,
0: doing to a week. It's amazing that it took us this long to get an editor, but I'm really, really excited about it. I know.
1: I'm excited about it too. So thank you guys for tuning in. We have a Wisconsin case for you today and I'm excited to dive in.
0: Alright guys, this is episode 146 of Going West, so let's get into it.
1: December of 1998, a 40-year-old woman and mother from Wisconsin became violently ill, and after three days of being sick, she sadly passed away. But was there more at play here? Between multiple marital affairs, harassing photos, and a letter from beyond the grave, this case is shocking at every turn. This is the story of Julie Jensen. Julie Carroll Griffin was born on February 26, 1958 to parents Raymond Griffin and June Hackert Griffin in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha is located in the southeastern region of Wisconsin, by the way, on the shoreline of Lake Michigan, and it has a population of around 100,000 residents. And fun fact, it's the fourth largest city in Wisconsin. Julie grew up with four brothers, Larry, Michael, Paul, and Patrick, and they were all raised in a strong Christian family. Julie was described as very easygoing and somewhat quiet, but extremely caring with a warm personality and a gentle nature. She was a beautiful and petite blonde who was very intelligent and faith meant a lot to her. From an early age, Julie loved music, so she learned to play the accordion and violin, and she also sang in her church and school choirs. She attended Tremper High School in Kenosha where she acquired straight A's and she was an honor roll student before she graduated in 1976.
0: After graduation, Julie wanted to stay close to family, so she attended a fairly local college and also worked at a Sears department store in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is about a two hour drive north of her hometown. While Julie was attending college, she ran into a guy that she went to high school with who also grew up in Kenosha at a party through mutual friends one night named Mark Jensen. They knew each other, but they hadn't dated previously. They just kind of like saw each other in the halls of their high school. Both Mark and Julie were going to the same college after high school and they hit it off pretty quickly. Mark was studying finance and Julie really liked how driven, confident, and ambitious Mark was. And Mark liked that Julie was endearing and nurturing. So on April 15th, 1984, the couple actually decided to get married after a few years of dating, and this was before they graduated from college. Mark finished college and began a career as a stockbroker, but Julie had dropped out and taken a position in the same field as Mark, but for a different company, as an administrative assistant and bookkeeper, and the two appeared to be happily in love. So after graduating, Mark and Julie moved into a beautiful home in Pleasant
1: Prairie, Wisconsin, which is located in Kenosha County, by the way, in the upscale neighborhood of Carroll Beach. A few years later, in 1990, Mark and Julie would bring their firstborn child into the world, a baby boy named David. Julie was so happy to be a mother, and her personality always really matched that energy. But while Julie was occupied with the couple's newborn, Mark seemed a little bit distant. Everyone had always described Mark as a go-getter and a person who needed the best of everything. So during this time, Mark was very focused on his career. I mean, Mark was a pretty competitive guy. Like, he wanted nicer things than all of his neighbors. So it's safe to say that Mark cared a lot about money. And although this was something that initially had attracted Julie to Mark, she now felt that it was a bit off-putting. She was looking for this picture perfect family, but Mark didn't seem to have time for his family. After taking a short time off of work for maternity leave, she ended up back at work where she developed a friendship with a coworker named Perry Tarika.
0: Perry was a stockbroker for Dean Witter, which is a brokerage based in Wisconsin in 1990. And Julie was an assistant for a different broker at that same company. And by the way, Mark Jensen did not work for this particular brokerage. Perry was a new parent himself, but going through a divorce. And he and Julie began to strike up conversations around the water cooler at first. They talked about being new parents and their relationships. And to Julie, this is exactly what she felt like she was missing. She was feeling neglected by Mark in every aspect of their marriage. And she began to confide in Perry, telling him that her husband was strange and that she felt unhappy in her marriage. Soon the two exchanged numbers and Perry began to develop feelings for her, as did Julie for him. They would sometimes meet up outside of work to just talk, but it was never anything sexual. Until one weekend in 1991, when Mark Jensen was out of town on business. So Julie was alone with her son, David,
1: and she had called Perry to just invite him over to her house for dinner, just to keep her company because she didn't like being in her big house by herself. Perry agreed to meet her, and he brought along some old toys that his daughter didn't play with anymore to give to David. So the two shared a meal together, and they enjoyed a conversation, but when Perry felt the night was over and was about to leave, Julie finally asked him to stay. They ended up having a romantic encounter that lasted the weekend, but on Sunday night, Perry left the Jensen home because Mark was due back late that night. Julie asked Perry not to speak about their affair and that weekend. And within the next few days, she actually informed Perry that she had made a mistake and she was going to try to make her marriage with Mark work. Julie even resigned from her position at Dean Witter a few days later because she felt kind of some remorse about her affair and didn't really want to be around Perry. And she felt so much remorse and guilt about the affair since it was just hanging over her. So she decided to come clean and admit to Mark that she had been unfaithful. And a few weeks later, the Jensen's began to receive harassing letters to their home, as well as hang up phone calls and pornographic photos. And Mark even described that he received a note at his place of employment that said,
0: mine is bigger than yours. Officers from the Pleasant Prairie Police Department began to investigate this harassment And a phone call was made to Perry Tarika in which officers informed him that if he was the person responsible, he needed to stop. Perry explained that he wasn't the person behind this harassment and that when Julie Jensen broke things off with him, he ceased all contact with her immediately. Like he definitely respected her boundaries in that way. But then Perry did something that may have not been very bright on his part. He sent a letter to Julie's sister Addressed to Julie specifically, that said that he was worried about the harassment that was going on and that he wasn't responsible for it. So he wanted to like clear his name, but police were like, hey, we told you not to contact her. He then goes into some details about coworkers that they once shared and how things were going around the office without her there. Just basically small talk and life updates. And then he ends the letter with A friend in need is a friend indeed. I'll always be your friend, and I'll always be here for you."
1: Which I feel like honestly only makes his case look
0: worse. I feel like this only makes him look more like a potential stalker. Exactly, and little did Perry know, police were actually listening to his phone calls, and they didn't find anything that would indicate that he was responsible for the harassment, but Perry was cited for that letter that he sent, and he was actually ordered to pay a fine. So they were like, you know, not playing games with Perry Tarika.
1: At this point, Julie was looking for forgiveness from Mark and she swore that she would never betray him again, but she could tell that he wasn't interested in forgiving her. So the marriage basically just continued to plummet and the affair only made matters worse. So in June of 1992, Julie, kind of seeing that things weren't gonna get any better, finally decided to file for divorce after they had been married for about seven years. But Mark wasn't having any of it. He was definitely the type of person, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that just didn't like to lose. He had already been cheated on and he wasn't gonna be made a fool of again. So he began to tell Julie that if she went through with a divorce, she would never see her son again and that he would make her life a living hell. Obviously this was a terrible thing to hear. Like just the thought of losing her son was way too much to bear. So she decided not to go through with a divorce, and Mark had successfully manipulated her into staying. Which is so messed up, and I don't know why, you know, he would think that he would just automatically gain full custody, and he has the power to take their son away from her when, by all accounts, she's a great mother.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe because, you know, he's like flexing on her, trying to say like, oh, well, I make more money than you, so... The children are definitely going to come with me if we if we get a divorce, you know, because obviously this whole time he's been the breadwinner and he kind of I think he likes to, you know, obviously he's a competitive person. So I think he likes to hold that power and kind of like throw it in her face. It's just
1: sad because she is over this. She was over it before she had the affair, which she felt guilty about doing, even though she doesn't want to be with this guy and he's just saying oh well if you're going to divorce me then i'm going to do all this stuff to you and make your life a living hell like what a terrible thing to say
0: yeah it's definitely like a domestic manipulation I
1: i know this is a true crime case so obviously just bad shit. but it's messed up
0: so the harassment that was happening previous to this continued periodically for years which obviously put much more strain on mark and julie's marriage But in 1995, Julie found out that she was pregnant again. And in March of that year, she gave birth to her second son, Douglas. Sometimes in these scenarios, couples believe that having another child will be, you know, the answer to all their problems and fix everything for them. But oftentimes it just creates more tension and kind of, you know, ruins the situation. And I can't say that this is always the case, but for Mark and Julie, it definitely was. The relationship remained pretty stagnant and filled with resentment over the next few years, but in the summer of 1998, Mark caught the eye of an attractive co-worker of his named Kelly Labonte, who was engaged to another man named Mark. Before we even go into this, this is already so annoying because,
1: like, how dare he punish Julie for having an affair and then manipulate her into staying in your marriage and then you suddenly are interested in somebody else. Yeah, Like you how turn around. dare you?
0: Yeah, it's like, I'm gonna get back at you, but then I'm gonna like get back at you even more.
1: But we're still gonna be married even though neither of us are happy. So anyway, Mark had met Kelly in St. Louis on a business trip when his company was being acquired by hers. And Mark was very attracted to how different Kelly was from Julie. She was business oriented and driven. She was more outspoken and adventurous. And probably the thing he liked the most was that she seemed more flirtatious and promiscuous than Julie. Mark and Kelly exchanged emails. And at first the flirting started on the internet. Mark would tell Kelly about his sexual fantasies and how he would dream up scenarios about having sexual encounters in his office on his desk. And the two would regularly talk about sexual positions and what they wanted to do to each other which I only wonder how, how it escalated to this point. But anyway, Kelly even said once in an email to Mark, quote, if you're a good boy, you might just get what you want. Mark made several trips to St. Louis to see Kelly and they went to restaurants, the zoo, etc. but their sexual relationship didn't start until early September of 1998, the same month that Kelly was set to marry her fiance.
0: So obviously that's fucked up as well, you know, like she's she's literally about ready to marry this other guy named Mark, conveniently. Probably not a good idea. Yeah, and she's having an affair. Going back to the pornographic photos that were being sent to the Jensen home, investigators found out that Perry Tarika had left town years prior, but the Jensens were still receiving them even in 1998. Suspicious. Very suspicious. So initially, police thought that the photos were of Julie and Perry's affair, and that Perry had been sending them to get back at Mark. But they eventually found out that the images were actually photocopied from magazines. So now knowing that it couldn't have been Perry who was leaving the photos all around the Jensen residence, police began to suspect that Mark Jensen himself had been the one to leave the photos around in order to shame Julie for her affair. Such a weird thing to do. Extremely weird, and it's gonna get even weirder. So police believed that this was a way for Mark to punish Julie because he couldn't forget what she had done, so he didn't want her to either. Then police told Julie that they suspected Mark had been the one behind the photos all along, and at first she couldn't believe what they were telling her. And then detectives told her that they weren't going to waste any more resources or time on the harassment. And this is how strongly that they believed it was Mark. And if she couldn't accept that, they didn't know what else to tell her.
1: I'm kind of surprised that she was surprised to hear this, just knowing how their relationship wasn't going well. You know, that that the
0: manipulation Yeah, and
1: the manipulation that she wasn't like, wait, this kind of connects.
0: Yeah. And I think she just maybe didn't want to believe it. So then the photos and phone calls began to taper off and pretty soon they stopped altogether. And this was in September of 1998, which was the same time that Mark began a sexual relationship with Kelly Labonte.
1: just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of
0: day or night and simply safe is backed by 24/7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time
1: which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024 simply safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind and we want you to have it too right now get 20% off of any new simply safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/goingwest there's no safe like simply safe Do you want to earn cash back while you shop? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out Rakuten, especially because this week, May 6th through May 13th, Rakuten is having their biggest cash back event of the year with 15% cash back at hundreds
0: of stores. Rakuten is the shopping platform to use so that you can save big while you shop. They're partnered with over 3,500 stores across all categories including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so many others.
1: Some of our personal favorite participating stores are Ray-Ban, Hydro Flask, Clinique Online, and Verbo, just to name a few. There are so many big stores and brands that you're already buying from. But don't miss this major deal. It's a limited time only with eight days of these high cashback rates, so you can save more than usual. Membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you can get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up, and this is why we
0: have DashPass by DoorDash. DashPass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, as well as member-only deals and discounts.
1: Which is why DashPass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your
0: door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with DashPass.
1: Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Pretty soon, Kelly was all that Mark could think about. He'd become infatuated by her, and allegedly, he even thought about her while he was having sex with Julie. Julie? He became so interested in Kelly that he began to ask her about her previous sexual partners. He wanted to know every detail about them, including who they were, where the encounters happened, and the size of their genitalia
0: so he could compare them to his own. All right, Mark. Um, Weird. I mean, I'm not trying to kink shame, but a little strange.
1: Yeah, it kind of sounds like that mine is bigger than yours note that he got at his office years prior, huh? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. To make things even weirder, he took notes of Kelly's sexual encounters and even sketched the penises that she described.
0: Okay, now now I'm officially going to call this weird.
1: It's, uh, I just, (laughs) I, I have nothing to say. So it was clear that Mark had some insecurities in that area possibly and his masculinity felt threatened. Just an assumption on my end, I don't know. But Kelly gave him exactly what he wanted which was a red-hot love affair filled with heated passion. Julie even described that Mark began to expect a different nature in the bedroom when they were together. She even told a neighbor, quote, Mark wants me to be like these other women, his friends. They go to the bar, three in the morning, they go to strip clubs, drinking. I'm not that. I don't want that.
0: Yeah, at this point, Mark's just having such a good time with Kelly that when he is home and he's being romantic with Julie... He's expecting the same thing of her, and she's like, wait, where did this come from? Like, you never asked for this before, and all of a sudden, he has these expectations for Julie in their sexual relationship.
1: But again, if Julie's not what you want, then why are you practically forcing her to be in a marriage with you when you guys are so different now?
0: Get a divorce. So Julie automatically knew that something was off and she became depressed at the thought of Mark having an affair. So she began to question her relationship altogether. Julie suspected that he was being unfaithful and she told him once again, how unhappy she was. So Mark recommended that Julie go see a doctor. Julie was then prescribed an antidepressant but after taking her first dose of the medicine she had a very strange reaction. It was just after midnight on December 2nd, 1998, and while Mark was lying next to her, she woke up abruptly and couldn't go back to sleep. Mark described her as being a bit out of it and kind of loopy, and then she began jumping up and down on the bed, so clearly not in Julie's, you know, normal nature. The very next morning, Julie called a neighbor, and this neighbor described that Julie sounded off as well, like maybe she had been drinking. But then Julie explained that Mark was taking good care of her and that she shouldn't worry. And this made Julie feel good because Mark was finally giving her attention. You know, this attention that she was desiring all this time. Albeit that, you know, it was because she was having a bad reaction from medication.
1: So Mark decided to go back to Julie's doctor and explain that she was acting strange and that she had an adverse reaction to the antidepressant and that she couldn't sleep. So the doctor then prescribed Julie sleeping pills. So Julie took one and she still couldn't seem to shake this just unwell feeling and it wasn't allowing her to sleep either. And it wasn't just like she didn't feel well. Like Julie was actually vomiting and shaking because of how bad she was feeling. Her temperature continued to increase throughout the day and she couldn't even get out of bed. Even Mark and Julie's two young boys were extremely worried about their mother. But Mark assured them that it was okay, and if she continued to feel that way in the morning, he would take her to the doctor. But when the sun came up on December 3rd, 1998, 40-year-old Julie Jensen was found dead in her bedroom by her husband, Mark.
0: Mark called 911, who dispatched an ambulance right away to the Jensen home. But at that point, it was just too late. Mark seemed to be in a state of shock and appeared to be emotional about his wife's death. He explained to police officers on the scene that Julie was depressed and that she had recently been taking different medications and wondered if possibly a bad drug interaction could have caused Julie's death. But right off the bat, the scene was extremely suspicious. Julie's body was lying on the bed with her arm tucked underneath of her body, which investigators felt couldn't have been done by Julie. They said that she probably didn't roll over into that position on her own. The other thing that threw investigators off was the fact that Mark told officers that Julie had been very sick for about three days, but he never once thought about taking her to the hospital.
1: I was just going to say, why didn't he take her to the hospital if
0: she's this sick? Like, this, this, it it was bad. Yeah, she's she's violently shaking and violently throwing up, up, projectile vomiting, and... He's like, oh, well, we're on day three. And Also, like, sorry,
1: I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Also, the fact that he went to the doctor and said, oh, she's having an adverse reaction and she can't sleep. And then he gets her more pills to give her instead of saying something's wrong. This medication is screwing with her. She needs to go to the ER now.
0: Yeah, he's basically like, you know, she's not feeling very well and she can't sleep. Can we get some like sleeping pills for her? Essentially.
1: Right, which I just feel like is not the solution here. She needs, she needs immediate assistance. So the medical examiner initially stated that Julie died of natural causes, but the district attorney working Julie's case got smart. He told Mark that insurance companies typically needed a full crime scene investigation done because, you know, they have a lot of questions. He then proceeded to ask Mark's permission if they can conduct one in the Jensen home. You know, obviously dangling this life insurance scheme in front of Mark was pretty smart because Mark immediately agreed. But when the district attorney told Mark that he would be seizing his home computer too, Mark's face went pale and he hesitated before nodding in agreement. And sadly, the crime scene evaluation didn't yield any evidence that Julie's death was a homicide, but they still took the computer. So Mark and his two children, David and Douglas, had to move on with their lives. And for Mark, it was pretty easy because just weeks after Julie passed away, Kelly Labonte moved into the Jensen home for good.
0: Kelly had divorced her husband who she had been cheating on with Mark and she was now free to openly see him without judgment.
1: It's just weird that she even went through with the marriage, you know? Yeah,
0: I don't even understand why you went through with it if you're just going to leave him, but whatever. So anyway, it seemed that things were working out a little too conveniently for Mark. But in April of 1999, so about five months after Julie's death, police brought Mark in for questioning to see if they could get some more answers that they were looking for. Because at this point, detectives... Really believe that Julie didn't die of natural causes, and her autopsy results came back inconclusive. Mark didn't confess to killing Julie, but he did admit that he had been the one behind those harassing photographs years prior. He said that he was angry with Julie for her affair and that he would leave the photographs for Julie to find when he was upset with her, because he knew that it would make her feel ashamed. Julie had also requested that her remains be buried in a feasible plot in Wisconsin and had previously discussed this with her brother Paul, but against Julie's wishes, Mark decided to cremate her instead, which really upset her whole family.
1: And again, is really suspicious. Exactly. That he
0: wants her cremated. Exactly, because now they're like, you know, they're asking about this autopsy report and he's like, well, I cremated her. So when asked what he did with Julie's ashes, he said that his son, David, had scattered them in Lake Michigan. A neighbor named Carrie Ashley stated, quote, Mark was standing five feet from Julie's casket, laughing and joking, and acting like someone at a cocktail party. I would probably mourn a stranger more than he mourned Julie. And I did look this up because I was confused about Julie being in a coffin if she was cremated, but apparently that's pretty standard procedure, and actually, It's a legal requirement in most states. So essentially they had a memorial for Julie where her body was in a casket, and then that casket was taken to the crematorium and, you know, cremated.
1: Right, so back when they were talking to Mark. So during this interview, detectives continued to press Mark and explain that he's the only person that could have killed her, and that he was the only person with her at the time of her death but Mark continued to deny having anything to do with it. Then, detectives slid a piece of paper across the desk to Mark, and what he sees absolutely shocks him. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies— We can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples.
0: Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better.
1: I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up. Thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time
0: to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy
1: counter. You don't even need a prescription.
0: Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for Going West, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions.
1: ...when using all of the app's features.
0: Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash goingwest.
1: That's rocketmoney.com slash goingwest.
0: Rocketmoney.com slash goingwest.
1: See, so two weeks before Julie's death, she suspected something strange was going on. So she had written a letter and given it to one of her neighbors, which included a photograph, if anything should happen to her. And this is what it said. Pleasant Prairie Police Department. I took this picture and am writing this on Saturday, November 21st, 1998 at 7 a.m. This list was in my husband's business daily planner. Not meant for me to see, I, I don't know what it means, but if anything happens to me, he would be my first suspect. Our relationship had deteriorated to the polite superficial. I know he's never forgiven me for that brief affair I had with that creep seven years ago. Mark lives for work and the kids. He's an avid surfer of the internet. Anyway, I do not smoke or drink. My mother was an alcoholic, so I limit my drinking to one or two a week. Mark wants me to drink more with him in the evenings. I don't. I would never take my life because of my kids. They mean everything to me. I regularly take Tylenol and multivitamins, occasionally take over-the-counter stuff for colds, Rantac, or Imodium. Have one prescription for migraine tablets, which Mark uses more than I do. I pray I'm wrong and nothing happens, but I am suspicious of Mark's suspicious behavior and for fear of my early demise. However, I will not leave David and Douglas. My life's greatest love, accomplishment, and wish. My three D's. Daddy, David, and Douglas. Julie Jensen. Just the fact that Julie had to write this letter at all is like what a terrifying moment in your marriage that you have to write a letter like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what an eye-opening moment as well because, you know, to come to this point to say, I think that my partner might be trying to kill me that is a huge moment that's a threshold that's crossed that you know is just unthinkable
1: it's horrifying
0: and so it's
1: great that she did write this but the fact that she wrote it and she did end up dying oh
0: my god exactly so this list you know that she had she had taken a photograph of this list and it contained aspirin a syringe various poisons razor blades and a bottle of booze and a few other items.
1: And this is the list that was in Mark's daily planner.
0: Yes, correct. So it seems at least to Julie that Mark had been planning her death. Julie also left a few voicemails for the Pleasant Prairie PD explaining her concerns before she died. But sadly, this letter and these voicemails still wouldn't be enough to convict Mark of any wrongdoing. So investigators would need more if they were going to make that happen. While detectives continued to dig, Mark, on the other hand, was living life like Julie never existed, and shortly after being questioned by police, he announced his engagement to Kelly Labonte. Finally, police began to look into the Jensen's home computer, and they recovered information on its hard drive. Months before Julie died, Mark and Kelly had been emailing about how they could make their relationship official, but first, they needed to get rid of their spouses. In one email, Kelly says, I can divorce my husband. What are you going to do about your wife? Well, Mark doesn't respond to Kelly's question, but that same night, recognized through timestamps, Mark begins to look up different ways to kill Julie. What an idiot. Yeah, so he doesn't say, oh, I'm going to get rid of my wife, but he goes on the internet and he starts searching up, you know, pipe bombs, electrocution, and even poison but not just any poison. He searched for ethylene glycol. And some of you may actually know what this is, but for those of you who don't, it's the main ingredient in antifreeze.
1: While investigators were working hard to uncover as much evidence as they could, Julie's brothers were fighting to have her letter become admissible in court. In 2002, the courts ruled it not admissible. But the brothers continued to fight, explaining that it was the only way for Julie to defend herself and that it was like her voice speaking after death. Here's another shocker. So ethylene glycol doesn't usually show up with an autopsy. Like when it's performed, it doesn't show up and you actually have to request a specific test for it. And police didn't just uncover, you know, ways to murder your spouse on Mark's computer. But strangely enough they also uncovered an obsession of his. Mark had 2,800 photos of penises in three different files labeled large, medium, and favorites.
0: And I really wish that we were making this up, but no, we're not, it's it's all true. Yeah, like not only does, you know, he draw pictures of penises, but he's just got like a bunch of dicks on his computer. and, and I don't know how you acquire 2,800 photos of penises.
1: I just think the, the names of the files are funny. <laughs> Large, medium favorites. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, what, I wonder what's in his favorites file. I
1: know. Anyway, so, so next, the medical examiner who had originally conducted the autopsy on Julie, he actually reanalyzed his own report by looking at slides taken of Julie's organs after death. And he was able to finally identify these sort of crystals created by ethylene glycol, which had oxidized and metabolized inside Julie's body. So this is amazing because at this point she was cremated. So it's not like they could do another autopsy on her, you know, exhume her body. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to make this conclusion based off his original report is amazing. But it also makes you...
0: Yeah, it makes you question like why he didn't see <laughs> those in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So... He also noticed by looking at the autopsy that Julie wasn't just poisoned when she died. When Mark realized that Julie wasn't dying as quickly as he wanted, he rolled her onto her stomach, which was the position that she was found in, and he pressed her face into her pillow to suffocate her. So with this new computer evidence, the letter, the re-examination of the autopsy, Mark was finally arrested in March of 2002 for the first degree intentional homicide of his wife,
0: 40-year-old Julie Jensen. Mark's trial began six whole years later in February of 2008. The prosecution first heard testimony from a jailhouse informant who explained that Mark had told him the details of his wife's gruesome murder. The defense attacked the informant's credibility as they usually do, and proposed that Julie was depressed and had killed herself and wrote the note to frame Mark for her death to get back at him. Yeah, right. Then the prosecution fired back with the evidence found on Mark's computer pertaining to the Google searches for different poisons. And the medical examiner backed up those suspicions as well. But Mark actually never took the stand at his own trial to defend himself. But his new wife, Kelly, had taken the stand and was questioned regarding the nature of she and Mark's affair Prior to Julie's death, they just kind of asked, you know, when did your relationship start? How did it progress? Etc. So, Perry Tarika also was questioned as a witness during this trial. When it was all said and done, the jury who deliberated for four days had finally reached a verdict. They found Mark Jensen guilty of first degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was 48 years old at this time.
1: But hold up. We're not done yet. Mark filed multiple appeals on grounds that Julie's letter and her voicemails to police shouldn't have been used in the original trial. And his lawyers fought for a new trial because the letter apparently violated Mark's constitutional rights to confront a witness testifying against him. And in 2013, the court overturned his conviction. But... Here's the kicker. Mark Jensen remains in prison, held on a $1.2 million bond because he is scheduled for a retrial in March of 2022. But this time, the voicemails and, you know, the letter from Beyond the Grave cannot be used against Mark. It's been more than 20 years since Julie was found dead in her Wisconsin home. And ever since, her case has been a roller coaster of emotion, and back and forth rulings. Her family still fights for her justice to this day. And with a new trial just ahead of us, I wonder, what do you guys think? Is Mark Jensen guilty? Thank you guys so much for listening to this
0: episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening, and next week we'll have an all new case for you guys to dive into. Actually, we'll have two of them. Yes.
1: Um, God, with this case, I feel like Mark is so guilty. The fact that he's getting a new trial in just a few months from now is infuriating. I feel like we should all fight this, and as soon as that trial is over, we will do an update episode on this case so that you guys know everything that's going on. I just feel like this is not right
0: yeah i mean with all of the evidence you know it is so obvious the harassing photos the fact that mark is manipulative and you know the crystals found inside julie's body and just everything the multitude of evidence that there is i just in my opinion i believe that he's guilty so you know if you are interested you should watch the trial that's coming up in march
1: yes absolutely and i just feel like i don't think it's fair Maybe it's more fair for him, but it's not fair in general. And for Julie, who's the victim of all of this, that her letter and voicemails can't be used because that was like her saying, hey, if something bad happens to me, I didn't do this. That means a lot.
0: Yeah, it means, you know, it means a ton, especially in this case. So
1: please keep updated with us. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for tuning in for our second one of the week. Please, please, please listen up as we release episodes um, cuz we're doing it all for you and we love you guys.
0: Yeah, keep sharing, keep leaving us, you know, reviews if you can. And also we have a Patreon, so if you guys want bonus episodes, head over to patreoncom podcast. Hit subscribe, get listening to all that bonus content. And yeah, for everybody out there in the world.
1: Cheerio and don't be a stranger.